I need to be honest. Divine healing is a touchy subject in the church. Different denominations, or as people are today kind of fond of calling it, different tribes, different tribes of Christians, teach different things about healing. Some groups, some tribes, some denominations, some, some parachurch movements have sensationalized healing to the point that healing miracles no longer glorify God, but they glorify the group or the minister that it comes through. I'm not going to go into detail on some of these groups. You guys aren't stupid. If you watch any kind of thing going on about Christianity, you know what I'm talking about. You know the groups where it's all about the minister, it's all about the miracle, and it's not about the giver of the gifts. And so some groups have have sensationalized it like that. It's been so sensationalized in one aspect that, are you guys familiar with the song Healer? You're my healer, everything. Uh, I don't remember how it all goes. Okay, it's, it's by, um, give me the Hillsong. The guy who wrote the song is no longer part of Hillsong. And he was actually outed for faking an illness to promote the song Healer. The one member, the male member who was wearing the, the, breathing, the breathing apparatus and everything on stage when they were singing that and was claiming to have cancer, he, wasn't really, he didn't really have cancer. He was going to fake a healing. Now, he has since repented of that. And we should love the guy. He has confessed that it was wrong and he's repented of it. And so we restore. Discipline is not about punishment. It's about restoration. Right? And so we restore. So, but, you know, it's the sensationalization of these things. And so that sensationalization, we've seen those kind of things, it makes us want to step back off of it and go, uh, but can I ask a question real quick? We have experts on counterfeit money. Do you know how they become experts on counterfeit money? They study the real thing. The answer for abuses of healing is not to get away from the real stuff and to avoid it all. The answer is to say what is real, what is genuine, and that we will be able to tell the false when we understand what the genuine clearly looks like. We don't shy away from something because some moron somewhere abused it. But we study the genuine. And we say, okay... Other groups don't teach on healing because they've never seen it or experienced it. So they believe it ceased. Taken to an extreme, we see cessationist churches who teach that all charismatic manifestations of God's Spirit have ceased. And if they're right, Nobody in the modern world is going to heaven. Nobody. Because it says in Romans that the charisma or the charismatic gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if all charismatic gifts have stopped, salvation has stopped. That Greek word for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's actually the word for charismatic. That we translate as charismatic. That is the initial charismatic gift is eternal life. Being supernaturally born again. 
So if it ceased, it all ceased, or, well, none of it ceased. But I think we teach that it ceases because, well, we, we're not seeing it happen. So it must be done. It can't be a problem with the fact that we don't expect it. It can't be a problem with the fact that we're not asking God for it. I mean, i, I got to be honest with you. Let me give you a natural illustration to make my point here. When I first moved over to Oil City and I saw that there was a Bonanza on Route 8, I just assumed it was closed because the one over in Shippenville is closed. And I thought Bonanza's all went out of business. Let me just tell you something. The Bonanza on Route 8 is not closed and it's actually good. Okay? Just because I wasn't experiencing Bonanza doesn't mean Bonanza isn't still existing. Right? Trust me. 595 lunch buffet. All the fried chicken and catfish you want. No, anyways, now that I'm done with my commercial for Bonanza. So, do you see what I'm saying? Just because we're not experiencing it doesn't mean it's not real. I mean, there are people all over the globe who have never even heard of Jesus. Does that mean Jesus isn't real? No. Others have abused this by teaching that, well, basically, if we're not experiencing healing, well, it's a problem with me because my faith is messed up. It doesn't say that you carried your infirmities and diseases on the cross. It says that Jesus carried your infirmities and diseases on the cross. Casting Crowns puts it this way in one of their songs, not necessarily about healing, but they say in this in the song, Who Am I? Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. And not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. See, it all rests on God. Listen, I'm going to teach on the truth about healing today, and I need you to understand something. There's no formula. No, like... My wife and somebody else got it a little bit. Like, amen. Like, no, seriously, there's no formula. There is no formula for healing. If there is, then it's witchcraft. Right? That's what witchcraft and sorcery is. We, We follow the right steps, we do the right things, and we manipulate the spiritual forces, and they have to obey us because we did all the right things. In many places... Healing is being taught basically as another form of idolatry and witchcraft where we can manipulate God to do our bidding. There's no formula for healing. There are some ways that healing is described, but it's really interesting. I'm going to be talking over one of those things today out of, out of James where it kind of looks like a formula. But keep in mind, there's more places in Scripture where people are healed not following what it says in James than following what it says in James. There's no formula. So if you're not healed, it isn't because you messed up the formula. It isn't because your faith was too weak. Because let me just tell you something. Your faith, it is too weak. You can never muster up enough faith. Peter sunk on the water when he was walking towards Jesus. Not because he lacked confidence in himself like some heretical Bible teachers want to teach today, but because he was lacking confidence in what Jesus could do. Jesus said, oh, you of little pistis, in the Greek, which is faith in Christ. 
Oh, you of little faith in Jesus' ability. It all rests on Jesus. It all rests on Jesus. Long story short, all of this stuff's caused healing to be a touchy subject. I might have even caused some of you already to shut down, and I hope that I haven't. But that could have happened, and I hope that it didn't. It's a touchy subject. All right, let me get a little personal real quick, okay? There's, we, Sarah and I have had people tell us that we have a faith problem because Sarah hasn't grown a new leg. Really? Jesus told you we lacked faith? Well, if you had enough faith, she'd grow a new leg. Hmm. Okay. It's a touchy subject. Do I correct it? Do I stand back and let it go? Do I let it slide? I mean, how does that all work, you know? And it's this touchy subject that we have to be so careful about what we say and how we say it. Another guy, his name's Dave. I'm not going to tell you his whole name. When we were at Clarion and we were talking about healing, we were talking about how God can move, we were talking about all these things, Dave said to me, Pastor, stop teaching this. Because the outside world, those in the community who are not Christians are going to think we're weird. And they won't come here because they'll think we're weird. My response to Dave was, brother, the Bible tells us how to practice our faith. Not the lost world. And by the way, those people in the community who don't know Jesus don't care what we teach about healing. If they come here and they hear about a healing, they see a healing, they're going to be like, wow, there's a God in heaven who still does stuff. The people in the community who are worried about what we're teaching about healing are going to another church that teaches that no longer exists. It's not lost people. They don't know anything about Jesus. And by the way, they long to see supernatural stuff happen. Don't believe me? Then why do we have all these paranormal shows on TV? Everybody knows something's going on all around us. And they just need somebody to teach them the right thing. But hey, it's touchy. I said, brother, we're going to teach on this. We're also going to teach on forgiveness. This story is a little bit more complicated than I'm making it out. And we lost half of the church in one week. Half of the church said, nope, we're done. It's a touchy subject. It's a touchy subject. But today I'm going to teach the truth about healing. Now, I want you to understand, this isn't everything. And I'm not saying that I am everything that I teach today, that it's 100% the best way to teach it. God is growing me. In my understanding of him, the longer I go with him, the longer I walk with him, he's growing me in my understanding of this. I'm not the world's leading expert on this. This is why, my my saying I'm not the world's leading expert on this, this is why most of the time inside of the church... Theology books written by people don't become popular until after that person dies and it's the fifth or the sixth edition. Because the person's theology about God changed as they went through their life, as they grew to know Him more and more and more and more. That's why they don't usually become popular until after they die. Because now you're getting the culmination of what God did in their life, not what He was doing when they were 25 or 30. 
they, they give, you get the culmination of how God functioned and operated in their life. So I'm, I'm here to admit, I'm not the leading expert in the world on this. God has changed my beliefs on this over the years. And, and to be honest with you, he, He's going to continue to. What I'm teaching today, I'm, I'm holding enough to trust it, but I'm holding it loosely to say, God, you are God, you know, and, if I'm in, in, and you continue to grow me in this area. Amen? That may scare some of you, but it shouldn't. You don't want a guy who, think he's got, who thinks he's got God all figured out because then he thinks he's God. And, and, and there's one thing I know. I'm not God. So I've got to continue to grow in this. So let's look, let's open our Bibles up to James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. I know a little dark to see. I didn't realize it was gonna, wasn't the best background for this morning. So as a matter of fact, so they can see this a little better, would you kill these? So I'll be fine. So James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Here's what it says, reading from the English Standard Version. Is there any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save him who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Before we pray about this, I want you to remember something. Who is interceding for us, last week's message, who is interceding for us with his righteous prayers all the time? Guys, it all rests on Jesus. I'm not going to go over this part of this in our sermon. The prayer of the righteous person is the intercession of God. It's not making sure that, I ha- that I'm so perfectly clean that nothing will hinder. It's trusting that God, through Jesus Christ and the person and work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, is, is working in us and trusting that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we ask you to enlighten our hearts, uh, to illuminate the scriptures, to help us to understand the truth about healing, to, to grow in this doctrine so that it would not be just a doctrine, but it would become a practice in our life to seek you first. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Now, I want to point out something before I go on here. It's very critical that you understand this. I am not anti-doctors. They're fine. It's okay to go to a doctor. It is not a miracle when a doctor heals you. It is medicine. And there's nothing wrong with it. Luke, writer of the gospel, was a doctor. We have medical missionaries. Praying for the doctor to have wisdom is great. But that's not a miracle. What we're talking about is a supernatural intervention today that is a miracle that cannot be explained by modern science and methods. We're talking about God miraculously intervening. 
Please do not walk away from today's message saying, my pastor said, don't go to the doctor. No, I didn't. As a matter of fact, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock at the VA. Okay? So I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. But what I am encouraging you to do before you go to the doctor is go to Jesus first and see what he has to say about it. And if you do go to the doctor or the nurse practitioner, find one like Rachel who will pray with you, who involves her faith in it. Amen? All right, so important points. As we read this passage, there's several important points that stand out from it. There's several important points that stand out from it. The first point that's important to me that stands out from this is that different situations in our lives call for different responses. I mean, here it is in verse 13. Is anybody suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any sick? Let him call for the elders. If somebody sinned, confess it. You, you see what I'm saying? Like these different things inside of our life inside of our lives, it calls for different responses. And we need to wrestle through those things. And we need to respond appropriately to those things. Now I, I think this is part of the part of the reason that we don't really hear about healing that much in a proper context is because you know if the Lord reaches down and touches me and heals me in some of the ways that I'm going to be talking about here, I'm going to be cheerful. And I should praise him then. I should, be, I should be coming and saying, you know, you're not going to believe what God did. This is what he did, X, Y, Z. You know, like, whenever we have testimony time, we shouldn't be able to get it to shut down because people are recognizing how God's working in their life. We're cheerful about how he's intervened. Right? Is anybody suffering? Let him pray. You know, it's not let them run to the bottle and get drunk and, and, or let them go to the drugs or, or let them get caught up in pornography or, or all of these kind of things that say that they'll bring us instant happiness and fix it all. No, no, no. If you're suffering, pray. I mean, I could go on, but the important point here that I want you to grab a hold of is that different situations in our lives call for different responses and we have to be looking at that and saying, here's what's going on in my life. What is the appropriate Keyword, biblical response to this. Can I get a witness? One of those responses is that when we are sick, we are supposed to pray with other believers for healing. We're supposed to pray with other believers for healing when there is a physical infirmity on our life. This passage says that we're supposed to anoint people with oil. It says, call for the elders of the church. Have them anoint you with oil. And pray over you. And you will find, if you come to me for prayer, and I hope for to one another, this will build in one another, while we're anointing and praying, that passage of Scripture says that we need to confess our sins to one another. I, I am very fond of asking this question. Brother, sister... Is there anything in your life that would stop God from healing you? Is there anything you're doing? Is there anything that's going on where maybe God's trying to get your attention? What I'm asking, is there any sin right now that would keep the blessing of God from flowing into your life? Now, I know some of you struggle with believing that. 
that your sin can, can keep God's blessing from flowing into your life. But friends, it can. It's not about rule keeping. It's about the relationship. But if I'm in a right relationship with God, loving Him, caring for Him the right way, my actions line up with that. Maybe I'm not experiencing the healing of God in my life because I've abandoned God and God is trying to beckon me and say, wait a minute, come back over here where you left me and I'll heal you. I'll restore you. I'll raise you up. Get back over here where I am. Get back in this blessable position and everything will be fine. I know that's a a stretch for some people because we think, well, how does that go with grace? Grace isn't permission to go do stupid stuff. It's, it's, It's forgiveness for when we do. Can I get a witness? Okay. I mean, Paul says that. So shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. Friends, it's New Testament. Don't tell me God doesn't care about your behavior. He says, be holy because I am holy. Actions don't get to the relationship. Okay? The relationship transforms our actions. Anyway, I digress. It says that we should be praying, we should be confessing. And here in this passage, it says to anoint, be anointed by the elders. But I want to point out something to you. There's plenty of other places in Scripture where there's no elders and there's no oil. Peter and John, you're like, well, they're elders. Sure, they're walking up to the gate called Beautiful. The guy's begging for money. They said, silver or gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. No oil, no prayer, a command. To be healed. Wow. Didn't follow the formula. Because uh, this is descriptive of one way to do it, not prescriptive of the way we have to do it. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I, I got news for you. This is just olive oil out of the kitchen. <laughs> Like there's, like, there's no blessing on this. It's just olive oil from the kitchen. I mean, I, I could accomplish the same thing by just wiping this little sheen off right here and anointing you with it. Oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> no, but this isn't special. This is symbolic of trusting in The Spirit of God, it's symbolic of that picture. Trusting in the Spirit of God to work. It's a practical way for us to put our focus on Jesus, to put our focus on the working of the Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes the reality is, as people, we need some symbols to help us understand what's going on. Can I get a witness? Amen? There's nothing special about that. I could go through example after example after example of places where there was no anointing. We could go to Old Testament prophets who stretched themselves out and laid on their mouth to mouth, hand to hand, feet to feet, face to face, and prayed and raised somebody up. We could go to where a dude was dying and he gets tossed in, I can't remember if it was Elijah or Elisha's grave, and touches the bones and gets back up. Where was the oil in the elders? I don't see them there. Right? I mean, what about Naaman being cured of leprosy? Go dip yourself in the river, Jordan, seven times. 
And he's like, what? Seriously? Like, there's rivers where I came from. Your river's better than my river? No. Will you be obedient? I heard an Alliance missionary preach on this when I was in Argentina. I couldn't understand any of the sermon except for this part. Oh, stupido. As he's faking out, his, as he's acting out being dipped seven times. You know, he's like, this is stupid. You know, like, really? And the seventh time he comes up healed. That wasn't a prescription. It was a description of how God wanted to work at that point. These examples of healing are numerous throughout the scriptures. Listen to me. Grab a hold of this point. Say it with me. There's no formula. Say it with me. You ready? There's no formula. There's no formula. This all rests on God and his love for you and what he wants to do in your life. And, and, and if he doesn't work the way you think that he was going to work, that's not because you messed the formula up. He's a gracious God. He wants you to trust him. When we do this, when we, when we pray with other believers for healing, that's the part that we need to do is be seeking God in this, right? When we do this, three things happen according to this passage of Scripture. We are saved... Raised up and forgiven. Verse 15, read it, read along with me. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is probably where I'm going to digress, or, or not, excuse me, not digress, wrong word. It's probably where I'm going to depart from the way you've heard this passage preached. Maybe some of you have heard about these three things before that happen when we, when we seek the Lord. But I don't think many of you probably have. These three things sound pretty crazy when we focus on, okay, I'm sick, I'm going to go, I'm going to pray with other believers, specifically in this passage of Scripture with elders, I'm going to be anointed with oil, and three things are going to be happening. I'm saved. I'm raised up and I'm forgiven. During a healing prayer? I got acid reflux. And I'm praying for my acid reflux. And I'm saved, raised up, and forgiven. Hmm. I was, I was kind of hoping the acid reflux would go away. <laughs> you know. I mean, so what do these mean? They're hard words to understand. And, and, and so... We're going to talk about what they mean in the Greek, but we're not going to actually look at the, the Greek words, okay? So, so here's what I've discovered as I looked at the Greek words. In this passage, to be saved means to be rescued, healed, or delivered, or kept. That word encompasses all of those. It means to be rescued, healed, delivered, or kept safe. Not such an odd thing now that we know what it means for when we're praying for healing, right? I mean, maybe what, maybe what I'm praying for, I need Jesus to rescue me from it. Maybe it's an attack of the enemy, or maybe it's something stupid I've done to myself, and I've got to be rescued from myself. Maybe, maybe I'm going to be healed, physically healed. In this time, maybe I'm going to be delivered from some kind of sin or the bondage to this sickness or kept safe. And I'm going to get into some 
some descriptions of how all this looks practically in just a minute. In this passage, raised up means to wake, to rouse, to restore, or to heal. You know why I like asking the question, brother, what's going on in your life that would stop God from healing you? Is because God might rouse you, wake you up to something going on in your life. Sometimes it's sin. Other times, I had acid reflux really, really bad. The Lord healed me from it multiple times. And it came back and it wasn't going away this time. I said, Lord, this had been gone for like nine months. Why is it back? And the Lord said, well, you keep tearing it up. I said, what, Lord? He said, you keep tearing it up. You're doing this thing with your throat and you keep wrecking it. I keep healing it. You keep wrecking it. Stop tearing it up. I know some of you struggle even believing God speaks like that, but he does, especially to me. He's like, hey, stupid, right? Listen, and I stopped and guess what? I'm good. Now, it's come back again since then. And I'm like, Lord. And he's like, just trust me. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't have any idea what he's doing now. And when I say it goes away, I mean like, I feel like the Lord says, stop taking your medicine. It's gone. And boom, it's gone. <clears throat> but anyways. But he rouses me. He, he points out stuff. But maybe it's sin that's going on in your life. Maybe he points out, you know, uh, you're asking for, for healing from these sores that are on your leg, but they're diabetic sores because you just keep wolfing down the ice cream. Stop it. I'll heal you, but you need to stop doing what it is that's putting you in this position. And some of the things that we don't really like to hear, but I want you to go read in the Corinthian epistles about the communion there could actually be a physical sickness caused by God to get your attention, to get you to stop an actual sin. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe something's going on. Maybe you're having an affair. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. And the Lord is using a physical sickness inside of your life to get your attention, to get you to quit. It says in that passage out of Corinthians, it says that if we approach the table of the Lord in an inappropriate manner, we drink judgment on ourselves. And then he goes on to say, this is why many of you are sick and have even died. I know it doesn't sound too gracious. It's not like, oh, pastor, come on with the, with, the, with the God's judgment thing. No, look, he says that. He said it, not me. Like sometimes he lets the bad things go on in our life to get us to our attention. And forgive, forgiven means to send away, to let go, to leave or to leave behind. We're forgiven. The things are let go. It's sent away from us. It's left behind. I mean, I guess this isn't such a bad thing about healing. It's such an odd response about healing at all. While these definitions may be helpful, they don't fully reveal the truth about what can happen. For this, we need to look at other examples in the Scripture. I mean, we we have this one here about to be rescued. Jesus. His disciples have got in a boat and they are rowing across the water. And the waves are threatening... Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. He's in the boat with them. I went to the wrong story. And he's asleep in the bow. And they're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And the waves are coming in. They're threatening to swamp the boat. And Jesus is peacefully sleeping in the bow of the boat. He either has tremendous faith or is like the most sound sleeper in the world. I think it was tremendous faith. They wake him up. Master, don't you care? We are perishing. 
And Jesus is like, oh, come on, guys. Don't you have any faith? And he stands up and he rebukes the waves and the wind. And it stops. And these people turn and look at each other. And they are astounded. And they're like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Guys, let me just tell you something. You may have missed it, but my friends, that is a healing. They got healed of an emotional issue called fear. They got an emotional healing in the area of fear. What about Paul? The Apostle Paul. He prays for the thorn in his flesh to be removed three times. And the third time the Lord says, I'm not going to heal you. There was a sin in Paul's life that would overtake him called pride. And God says, I care about you not being prideful enough that I am going to keep you weak and dependent on me. I don't... This is crazy. I'm going to say something a little crazy and some of you guys are struggling with this. God knew that during Paul's lifetime, Paul was never going to be the kind of Christian that he needed to be, that he wouldn't get prideful. So he left him with a thorn in the flesh for the rest of his life. God chose to leave Paul with a thorn in the flesh for the rest of his life, and the majority of theologians agree it was Paul's poor eyesight. Interestingly enough, wasn't that what God did to Paul on the road to Damascus was striking blind? Go read Paul's letters. In one of Paul's letters, Paul used a secretary a lot of times to write his letters. He had a Polly. And he said, Polly, write this down for me. Right? But this one letter, he says, I, Paul, wrote this with my own hand. See my big letters? That's why people believe it was his eyesight. Because he wrote in really big letters so that he could see them. See, what God chose to do is to use this thing in Paul's life to, to save sin, or to, excuse me, to save Paul, to rescue Paul from the sin of pride. If God had taken away what was going on in Paul's life in this situation, Paul would not have experienced what God had for him. God had a purpose for this in Paul's life. Yes, I am suggesting that God will have a purpose sometimes with physical stuff in your life. With physical sickness in your life. The type of healing that Paul received here was spiritual. Instead of physical. He was kept spiritually pure before the Lord. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my power is made manifest. Trust me. And Paul received a spiritual healing. So we've seen the disciples receive an emotional healing. We've seen the apostle Paul receive a, a, a physical healing. Or excuse me, a spiritual healing. Sorry. And, and God gave him peace with his situation. Guys... Sarah and I, we, we want to see her leg. Man, I, I'm, I am waiting for the day. My wife's leg costs over $30,000 every time we have to get it made. And I am waiting for the day that we're standing somewhere. It doesn't have to be in a church service. And God splits it open and ruins a $30,000 prosthesis and bam, she's got a leg. And probably half the world is not going to believe me that it happened to her. They're going to be like, those people are lying. And I'm going to be like, I don't care what you think. I'm waiting for that day. But you know, 
God has given my wife and I peace in this, that if he doesn't decide to do that until we go home to be with him, we're okay with that. We trust him anyways. He's given us a spiritual healing. Don't get me wrong. We'd love to see it happen, and we're not going to stop pestering him about it. But if he doesn't do it, we're cool. It's okay. Peter denied Jesus three times and felt ashamed and condemned. Right? Didn't he? I mean, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, never, Lord, never. And then Peter did it. And then when the third time, Peter realized, oh my gosh, I've done it. I feel ashamed and condemned. He felt so ashamed and condemned that he abandoned his mandate to be a disciple of Jesus and to go and make disciples for Jesus and instead had returned to the family fishing business, which is where Jesus found him. Out in the boat, casting nets in the water, catching fish instead of men. And Jesus beckoned them in from the shore and had some fish prepared for them. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord. You know I do. No, Peter, look me in the eye. I know that I'm embellishing it a little bit here. Peter, look me in the eye. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And feed my sheep. Peter, a third time, do you love me? Peter can't take it anymore. See, Jesus was restoring him. Jesus was providing emotional, spiritual renewal, setting him free from the bondage to his past sins and failures and saying, those don't define you anymore, Peter. It's not who you are anymore. You're a different person than me. These failures won't define you. These failures aren't who you are. People sometimes struggle. They say, Pastor, why do you let people do ministry and mess up and and have all these screw-ups? I say, because failures don't define us. Jesus even shows up in the failures and He will set us free and deliver us and help us to move forward. Let that sink in. And then there's times when physical healing happens. A lame man who was lame from birth is miraculously healed outside the gate called Beautiful. Not only is he physically healed, but God also puts the information in his mind on how to use the healing. He'd never walked. He had no idea how to walk, and yet he gets up. First thing he starts doing is leaping and running. He went from never walking to leaping and running. That doesn't happen. Guy has a withered hand. Stretch out your hand. It's healed. People are raised from the dead. On the day of Jesus' crucifixion, guys, there were a lot of people who were raised from the dead. It it says in the Gospels that the tombs were broken open in the city and the dead came out alive. Like we miss that a lot. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Multiple people raised from the dead in the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul was healed. This person was healed. That person was healed. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And so there's physical healing. When we understand healing in this way, then then it helps us to approach this promise in the passage in a whole new way. 
John Stumbo on, thir- on Thursday night at Mahaffey Camp, we went over there, we listened, he's our president. He's, he was talking about healing, which is not why I'm preaching this message, but the illustration was too good to not steal it from him. Okay? He said, some of you, when you come forward and you ask God to heal you, and you stand at the altar for 15 minutes, and you sense that nothing has changed, you go back to your seat and you say, well, that prayer has expired. He goes, since when do prayers have a 15-minute expiration date? He said, man, we give our milk two weeks. He goes, they don't expire. Some of you have been praying for healing for certain issues for years. And you think that God is not listening. And you think that those prayers have expired. I want you to know something. The scripture says that your prayers are like an incense, a continual smoke incense up at offering in front of him. They're still there. They haven't expired. And we might add some more to them today. Man, I thought that would get people excited. Let me just tell you something. Your prayers haven't expired. And we're going to add some more to them today. Amen. Hallelujah. They haven't expired. There's no expiration date on prayers. Amen. Guys, when we understand healing in this way, we come and we say, God, I want you to heal me. I'm asking like Paul did for this physical healing, but God does something better instead. And I often end my prayer for healing in this way, not because I lack faith, but because I lack God's perfect understanding. And I say, God, if I've asked you for something that's not as good as what you want to give me, give me what you want to give me instead and withhold from me what I asked you for. You're way smarter than I am. I will tell you this, our new understanding of of, of healing, when we approach it this way, it tells us this. Our new understanding says, when we ask for prayer for healing, we can expect that God will do something. He may not physically heal us, but He will do something every time. He will heal our emotions. He'll set us free from our past. Or give us peace peace in our situations. And sometimes, sometimes, He will even miraculously heal us physically. Guys, it doesn't say, in verse 15, and the prayer of faith might save the one who is sick, and the Lord may raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, he could possibly be forgiven. No, my friends, they are definitive statements that say, and the prayer of faith will Save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. But we have to understand that that saved, raised up, and forgiven doesn't always mean what we think it means. God may say, no, I want to give you peace. No, I want to keep the sin out of your life. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And we leave the results in God's hands. God will show up every single time we approach Him in prayer if we will just be sensitive enough to listen to what He's doing. Don't believe me? It's okay. But I hope that you will choose to believe me. Because Elijah believed God. And that's why he approached God in great faith and prayed for three and a half years that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then when he prayed that it would rain, it did rain. But just in case you don't believe me, we have homework. 
Monday is Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And guys, we're not done yet. We're going to have an altar call. Okay? We're not done. The message isn't done. And if you end up needing to go, that's fine. But we're going to have an altar call for those who want to stay. Tuesday, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. Wednesday, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. These first three deal with different manifestations of healing, not always physical. These first three deal with different manifestations of healing. It's not always physical healing. Thursday is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Friday is 1 Peter 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And Saturday is Mark 16, 14 through 20. The last three of these specifically state that healing is available still in the church today. Healing is available in the church today. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. So I want you to read these things. I want you to process these things. Before, I really don't know how to do this the best. Let's just pray and then we'll move into the next part. Father, I ask you to have your way inside of people's lives, inside of their hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen.